Welcome back to Thinking About It, and we're glad that you've joined us. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Stan, have you ever noticed how um, you're not as young as you used to be? Oh, my. Well, okay, if you say so. You've been around for a while. Have you noticed that there is, uh, in the last 50 years, um, a growing sense of intolerance for the Christian worldview? Have you noticed that? I, I'd have to be uh, blind and deaf uh, to not have noticed that. We, we definitely are in a new era, new world. Yeah, and it's been coming slowly, but it, it just seems more recently that uh, a nerve has been struck uh, when we speak, for instance, into the question that's dominant right now of sexuality. Uh, there's just, to my mind, there's an irrational response it's an anger. It's, it's kind of like what Jesus experienced when he's teaching and the Pharisees said, um, not only can we not tolerate this guy, but he has to die. And it just seems like an over-the-top response. And I'm feeling that way now more and more. And you've got Bill C-6, which is legislation against a, a fundamental aspect of who we are as a church. We speak to people with a view to conversion. And now the law is against that. And we've been, you recommended a little while ago a book to me that I know a lot of people are reading. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by uh, Carl Truman. And it's helping me to understand where all this vitriol is coming from. And I know you've read it a little while ago. So I want to talk about um, how he describes what he calls the psychological man and how understanding this helps us appreciate the kind of hot, the response that we're getting when we deal with issues of sexuality. Yes, I, I think uh, Carl has written a lot of good things over the years, and I, I just think this is simply the best. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's an absolutely, I think it's, 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 it's an incredibly insightful book that helps us understand this weirdness that we're talking about. Um, I mean, he, he begins the whole book with how how strange it would seem to anybody 50 years ago to hear someone who is biologically male say, I'm really a female. And, I mean, 50 years Trapped ago... Trapped in a male body. Yeah, 50 years ago, I mean, almost no one would have found that even worthy of response. But in our day, if we do respond by saying, look, that's, that's not who God made you to be. Um, we're we're the, uh, the aggressor, we're the offender here for, for speaking that way to such persons. So, I, I mean, I think it's incredibly insightful. It shows that it explains how now, when we even try to say to those around us, even if you disagree, with mm-hmm. our traditional understanding about sexuality, at, at least recognize that we should be tolerated. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be allowed to live out those convictions. We should be allowed to express those convictions. But with the rise of psychological man and the idea that somehow my, my identity is, is what I in my own psyche determine it to be, 
well, that's an attack on the person. It's not just a disagreement about sexual activity. It's an attack on the person. Now, Truman talks about identity before all this nonsense uh, happened where people would appreciate the, the social fabric that they were born in. You know, I'm a son. I'm a plumber. Uh, this is my station in life. This is my ethnicity. And all these things would inform me as to what myself is. And uh, he goes on to say that it's important that when we express ourselves, that there's a response in society. So society needs to agree. There needs to be a handshake in society with how I perceive myself, and that's how things work. But then along comes psychological man, and uh, he looks very differently at the institutions and society. He says, nuts to all that, um, needs to be blown up, as some would say. I'll look to myself in, inside of me. And this, and he talks about it as being plastic. Uh, he says, this is my truth. This is how I feel. And, and this will be my identity. And then to have that not affirmed by society. It needs to be affirmed. Everyone's identity needs to interact with society. And if society does not affirm what is my essential identity, it becomes, I don't think microaggression is the word anymore, it becomes a major, maybe even an illegal uh, response. You, did you get that? Oh, you- yeah. I mean, he's pointing that out. And, and reading, reading Carl's book help, helped me understand more about what what I've told you about before from last summer, May, June, I guess it was. It was June. Yeah, it was June because it was Pride Month. And and I wrote a letter to the editor in the local daily newspaper um, affirming the Catholic school board for trying to be really Catholic and in terms of sexual ethics uh, in the way they responded to Pride Month. Mm-hmm. And a university professor sent me an email and started an extended exchange between us in in which he ultimately said, your traditional view about sexual ethics and gender identity deserves no more respect than a white supremacist's views. And so, you know, I mean, he was saying an individual's understanding of who they are there's their gender identity, for example, or sexual orientation, is as integral to who they are as is the color of their mm-hmm. skin. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, I, I sort of throw up my hands uh, and, and say, really? Can you seriously argue that? But, but Carl's book has helped me understand. The, the background of all that is now how I feel about myself mm-hmm. internally has to be affirmed by everyone around me as, yeah. as who I really am. And, and, and I determine that. And if you don't affirm that, well, you're breaking our social bond. Right. You're, you're mistreating me. You're, 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 you're denying my very value and identity as a person. And he throws Sigmund Freud into this, and Freud would say, yeah. uh, "When you, by the way, when you're looking at yourself or identity, understand that you're sexual. So now my identity manifests itself in a variety of, of sexual expressions, which helps me understand 
um, the whole LGBTQ and plus movement, how um, identity has manifested itself in these sexual orientations. And to not affirm that, they need to be affirmed. And to not affirm that, it's not enough to tolerate it, right? Right. Uh, civil society needs to uh, celebrate it. And if there is a pocket of resistance, just like uh, the three Hebrew boys on the uh, the plane who refused to bow down before the idol, it wasn't enough that everyone else was bowing down. They refused. And as long as there's a Mordecai or three or a church or a group of churches that refuses to celebrate... Uh, we're we're targeted, and there's just this irrational. Maybe it's not as irrational anymore. Maybe we understand it, but it's just something that will not be tolerated. Yeah, one of the, um, I mean, I mean, one of the, one of the questions that's that's been rattling around in my mind over the last several years in wrestling with some of these social issues is how did sexual orientation and gender identity come to be linked with race as as if they're the same thing. I, I remember once in a, actually a letter to the editor I, I had post in the National Post, I, about sort of focusing on that, I, I said something like, but they're distinct categories because However you understand the origin of one's sexual orientation, what we're talking about here is a behavioral disposition. It's not like the color of your skin. Well, I mean, I mean, all of that was clear and rational to me, but it's not to psychological man who, who says, no, that's, that's as much my identity as my race and and I, and one of one of one of Carl Truman's contributions, I think, is to show that Freud, um, by 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 positing the idea that that sex is really sexuality is really at the center of personal identity, brought about this merger between Marx, who had gone before, who who talked about the uh, those who were opp- oppressed members of the working class mm-hmm. and and who was after a revolution rooted in class structure and blowing it up. But with Freud, you get sex brought into the mix and it becomes a part of of that same kind mm-hmm. of social issue. And so now the oppressed are are not just the uh, the racialized groups or or the working poor. They are, they are people with what used to be considered abnormal sexual orientation or sense of gender identity. So it's all got lumped together. It doesn't always all fit nicely together, but, but we've seen the way it gets tied in um, last year. We've talked about this before, the Black Lives Matter movement. There... Uh, well, I mean, I hope all of us want to affirm that, yes, the lives of black persons matter. The Black Lives Matter organization in its manifesto included the idea of blowing up the whole idea 
of heteronormativity mm-hmm. and the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. So it it's all got lumped together, and and the only way you can fit something like these. Uh, you know, a different kind of sense of sexual orientation or gender identity into the same category as the racial issues is, is by the psychological man. I define who I am by the way I feel inside. So we preach the gospel, which, uh, if you rightly divide the word of God, it, it cuts to the bone and marrow. It, it reveals uh, the truth uh, about your identity, and it goes cross-grain, and it, it's offensive. The gospel is intrinsically offensive to people who have chosen to orient themselves away from God. They look to themselves for what is true, not to Jesus, who said he was the truth. So you can understand how if you're faithful to the gospel, you don't need to attack someone's orientation. I mean, I would leave that out of the gospel presentation. The chips will fall there eventually. Yes. And, and when they do, uh, you get this pushback. But I think I can understand how if the gospel is faithfully preached, you're going to get people who, who respond the way Stephen's audience responded. Well, they plug their ears. They don't want to hear this. And then they take him out and stone him. Yes. And um, I, 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 I hope we... Ex- can keep the stones out of our church parking lot here so so it doesn't happen to some of us when we get outside the building. Um, but it does. I mean, the, the call of the gospel is repent and believe the good news. I mean, obviously, if, when I say to someone, you're sinful and guilty, that's bad news. But the good news is all understood against that backdrop. But God does call us to repent and, mm-hmm. and and frankly, what we're talking about here is is as basic as acknowledging God as creator mm-hmm. who has made us the way we are. And and as, as Genesis one emphasizes, God created humankind in his image, male and female, yeah. he created them in his image. So that that focus on male and female there is is, is a way of saying that's that that's a key part of of what God made us to be. And if someone's got all their eggs in the basket of their identity, to, to give them that message, they, they have to die to self. The self that they have made and imagined, that has to die. And we know that. That's what the gospel does. Jesus calls us to die to the old and then be made new. Uh, but we just need to understand that when we preach the gospel, that's what we're saying. And people who say, you mean I've got to, yes. You you get it indeed. Uh, deal with it, and but it is a. I mean, it is a challenge in in trying to communicate uh, the truth of the gospel and and related issues to people in in our cultural setting, where this kind of expressive individualism, the 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 psychologically self created identity, has has become so significant. I, I I think at, at some level, as we're dialoguing with such people, we're 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 going to have to um, press them with some questions just to make them step back and think again about all that. That that may be the first step to to say, 
okay, do, do you really mean that if my sense of identity is that I'm a 30-year-old Asian female, that, that's really, I, I can somehow rightly say that's what I am, and, and I can ask you to treat me in that way? I mean, does that make any rational sense? Let's, that's your truth. Let's leave, I mean, aside from Jesus and Bible and all of that, I mean, does that make any sense at all? to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where we have to start sometimes and just plant the seed with some questions, mm-hmm. um, get them to step back and take a second look. But it's, it's very deeply embedded in yeah. our culture. And of course, I mean, it, it's, it's embedded in the sex ed curriculum in mm-hmm. the public schools mm-hmm. in so many ways. I mean, I, I, in fact, I've lost count of the number of gender identities that are even mentioned there. Mm-hmm. So we have a big task. So it helps us understand where a, a bill like B, uh, Bill C-6 is coming from. Uh, it's now becoming part of our government machinery, the, the, the hammer, if you will, of the state uh, to just express the intolerance uh, to uh, a message that would say freely, you're not what you think you are. Um, you're looking to the wrong place for your identity. Repent. And I, I think this is a very offensive in our culture. And uh, we were warned in Scripture that the gospel is an offense. It doesn't mean we water it down. I think we need, as you say, to be wise and use dialogue, Socratic questioning to tease out really the root cause. But at the end of the day, we should not expect uh, this world to cozy up to a gospel that calls them uh, to die to self and to experience new and abundant life in Jesus Christ. Those who are ordained to eternal life will resonate with that message. Many will not. And that's just the way it is. Indeed. I mean, you mentioned Bill C-6, the, um, the preamble to the bill asserts the fundamental premise of the bill is is to keep people from perpetuating what it calls myths a myth you know, about harmful a, myths. about a standard sense of sexual orientation and gender identity to which people ought to be called so the fundamental premise of legislation like that is flawed something you and I can't affirm but that's, that's the context in yeah. which we have to minister today. One of my hopes is that somehow in the not-too-distant future, maybe there, there will come to be a bit of a recognition that all of this irrationality is actually self-destructive and leading people not to human flourishing, but to human frustration. Well, God help us and have mercy on us. That's something we can pray for. I want to thank you for listening to us, thinking about this very important subject. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for listening. Keep on thinking. <laughs>